0: your right hand. Do you solemnly swear to the truth, all truth, and nothing about the truth? I want the truth! Why don't you answer him? Hey
1: everybody, welcome to a very special holiday edition of Objection Your Fiction. It's special because we have no outside guest. It is just BFKP personnel to talk about a truly horrible holiday movie in my mind. Um, the Santa Claus, the first one. I think there have been multiple. There's now a TV show on Disney Plus that I saw when I was watching the movie. Um, but Emily and Brad are here to discuss. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey. I'm sure you're both very excited to talk about this movie. I actually am. I had not seen since I saw it in theaters when I was, I guess, probably around 12 years old. Um, and I remember not liking it then, and I really hated it now. So we can talk about it a little bit more, but there are a a bunch of kind of juicy legal issues to jump into, and that's why we're doing this. Before we do, Brad, I think you're on the hot seat this week for the two-minute plot overview of the Santa
2: Claus starting now. That's going to be tough because this has a lot of really unpredictable plot twists. We're eating Um, into your time. I know. I'm eating right into it. Uh, Truly horrible movie. Uh, so, so Tim Allen, uh, is a T is a toy company executive, I guess. He's a sad recently divorced dad with a young kid one night. He doesn't seem that sad. That I don't okay. I think he's kind of sad.
0: He believes anyway, you're
2: eating into my time. So Santa fall. So they hear something outside. They run up there. Tim Allen, I think yells out, Hey, what are you doing up there? Santa gets startled, falls down, falls off the roof. And I guess dies. So what's the kid's name? Charlie. Charlie comes outside. uh, Scott Calvin, Tim Allen's character, kind of trying to figure out what to do. I guess he bends down and picks some card up and takes the, the, the robe off Santa. And what do you know? All of a sudden, like he's Santa Claus and magical things start happening. He goes in the sleigh, they go to the North Pole, they meet Judy, they meet Bernard, uh, the head elf, oh. and um, then they come back to wherever they are. I don't know, it's somewhere in the Midwest, Chicago, or some some kind of like nondescript Midwestern suburb, and um, young Charlie's running around telling everyone, my dad's Santa, we were at the North Pole last night. Scott Calvin's wearing pajamas that say SC on them. The divorced wife with a truly cringy boyfriend, Judge Reinhold, show up and want to know, where did you get those pajamas? Young Charlie says, oh, Judy gave them to him last night. You know, the waitress from Denny's. So there's sort of like a, there's sort of a. This is a bizarre plot description. He's really
0: getting into the weeds. This is really the
1: meat of the movie, right? You're also, you're out of time. I right. skipped over the most important part, which is the discussion of the, the contract itself. We're gonna get there.
2: Okay. We're gonna get there. I was I was more going into the family dysfunction. You were just Naming all of the various character names, which
1: I forgot. You 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 said that you didn't remember anything about the movie, but you knew everybody's name.
2: I just watched it last night.
1: So did I. Yeah. Um so look, I mean, the the main reason why we're here is the title of the movie, The Santa Claus, the contract. Between I don't know who and Scott Calvin, which I guess we'll talk about. And we'll talk about it and that as part of the discussion. I think the, the part that you jumped over, which is relevant to our conversation, is when Santa dies, um, which is a really jarring moment in the movie that I forgot about because this is a kid's movie, and the inciting incident is the death of Santa Claus. That's the inciting incident of this movie,
0: but also the rebirth of Santa Claus. So it's. it's I happening. guess
1: he also gives a thumbs up just before he dies. Which maybe he doesn't die. Maybe he's just like critically injured, and that and he he goes to the Bahamas or something, and that's that's what happens. Maybe we'll find out when this when this series finally concludes. Anyway, um, Santa falls down. He walks. Scott walks over, picks up a business card that says. Um, I think I have the exact language. Uh, basically, put on the suit. The reindeer will know what to do, and then he puts on the suit and gets into the sleigh, and the and is now Santa Claus. And when he goes to the North Pole to meet with what's the elf's name, Bernard? Bernard. Bernard tells him that he signed. Well, he didn't sign. He agreed to a legally binding contract by putting on the suit whereby he was Santa and there was very small print. He agreed to the Santa clause, right? He agreed to Santa the Santa Claus. clause, right? Not the person, the clause. Connor, why don't we play the clip and we can just talk about the contract based on, on that clip. You're, you're a
2: businessman, right?
1: okay. A clause as in the last line of a contract. No you got the card? Yeah. Okay, look. The Santa Claus. in putting on the suit and entering the sleigh, the wearer waives any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied, and fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design.
2: What does that mean? It means you put
1: on the suit, you're the big guy. First off, didn't... This is this is just riddled with inaccuracies to begin with. the a, a clause, is not a last line of a contract. And I love that Bernard goes, "You're a business guy, right? You know that a clause means the last line of the contract." And Scott's like, "Oh yeah, uh, uh, I, I get he it." Says it's the last line. He says a clause, as in the last line of a contract, which is not even right.
0: Uh, <laughs> Sounds convincing.
1: Yeah. So I guess let what you know. Let's start uh Brad, with you. What do you think about um, the, the enforceability of the contract? Um I guess, why don't we start with Privity, i.e. who's the contract between?
2: Well, I, I look at this a little differently. I look at it as, is there a contract? Did Scott Calvin agree to a contract? And if so, what are the terms of the contract? And I think what you alluded to is something we've actually litigated before, which is certain basic things need to be clear in the contract, including who are the parties to the contract, right? Not to make this too realistic, but on occasion, you have a you actually have a client in the real world that's getting sued by someone and you say, wait a second, that person's not even a party to the contract. So that's sort of the first thing I think we all noticed here, which is Forgetting about the fact that we don't even know, it doesn't even seem like Scott knew what he was agreeing to. The first thing that kind of comes to mind is with whom is he agreeing to do something, right? Bernard tells him, you put the suit on, you're the big guy, but who's Scott's contractual counterparty, right? Um, I don't have any ideas. I think one of you suggested maybe it's it's the young children of the world or something like that.
0: I mean if it was Santa then there couldn't be a contract because he was dead. Well it could um, be his
1: estate, right?
0: Could be his estate. Possibly.
2: There appears wasn't to be
0: clear, wasn't clear from the business card though.
2: We appear to have an enforceability problem right out of the gate. There are multiple enforceability.
1: <laughs> I think who the contract is with is definitely an interesting one. Um, yeah I mean I guess the candidates are the estate. Some unincorporated entity of which the various elves consist of. Um, But maybe Santa, if he's no longer, because we don't really have definitive proof that he dies. He just disappears, right? So maybe Santa's just trying to get out of the gig. And this is a way to do it. And he knows that by leaving. The code and having somebody else take it. Now that person is bound to to take on the role.
0: It's pretty sneaky of Santa.
1: <laughs> That's why they call him Sneaky Santa. So, um, so outside of that, outside of who the contract is with, what what are the other some of the other enforceability issues that came to mind for for you, Emily?
0: Um, could it have been a verbal contract, or did it have to be in writing? He didn't sign anything saying by by putting the code on he agreed so the enforceability issue there um you know it's what's the contract about what is it for um can it be performed in a year um is it for you could say the north pole it involves real property perhaps it did have to be in writing so
2: <laughs> the new york statute of frauds i guess right
0: yes yes i don't know what
2: jurisdiction they were in but it's it At least in New York, those would be problems.
0: Well,
1: expand on that. Why, you know, people who are not familiar with the statute of frauds, why is that a problem?
0: Because certain types of contracts in New York do have to be in writing to be binding. So in this particular scenario, um, you know, if if the contract could uh, not be performed in under a year, then it would have to be in writing to be enforceable. So you could say, yep, Santa, he's Santa every year, and he completes that in a year, but I mean, he's not giving up his Santa suit at the end of each year. I think it's implied that he's Santa for all of time unless he passes or something happens like the previous Santa. Uh, and then also, like I was arguing, um, if if the contract is for real property, it also has to be in writing. So if we're considering that with being Santa, he also gets the North Pole and and all, all the land that is Santa's house. Um, that's something else that would have to be in writing, so um, it really depends, kind of, of what you know, the the enforceability of if it had to be signed or not, or if just putting on the coat and giving the okay and the wave, like he did, uh, was enough to make this a binding contract.
1: What about um, you know, I, this is something that doesn't come up that often in in the real litigation world, but what about acceptance by performance? Right. So like he, he doesn't ever really reject the offer. Um, he, he never tries to reject the offer. He, he puts the coat on, he performs, he goes back home. He's, he's befuddled and confused, but he's, it's clear that he's turning into Santa. He never stops and says, I
2: don't want to do this. And so, so what about the fact that he's performing? I as think a... that's different than Emily's point. As I see it, Emily's point is: if there's a statute of frauds problem, if I haven't looked into this, but I don't think perform. I'm not sure if performance gets you around that. Does it? If a contract's not enforceable because it needed to be in writing but it wasn't, that may be a a, a self contained problem. Well, yeah, what you're doing, you might have an equitable argument, right? You could maybe. But I think what you're getting at is, us. Uh, you know, a lot of these contract elements tend to bleed together. Right. Right? Like something doesn't quite feel right. The label you ascribe to the piece that's missing can kind of differ depending on how you look at it. I think what you're talking about is something else I don't think we've touched on yet, which is, did Scott Calvin really agree to be Santa Claus, right? You know, when he goes to the North Pole He's kind of shocked as to what's going on, and that's when I think Bern, you know, Bernard holds the card under the magnifying glass and he says, "Look, it says you put the you put the row you put the suit on. You agreed to all this stuff, right?" And I think we look at it and say, "Well, you know, he couldn't even read that. How could he possibly have accepted the obligations that were on offer? How could he have accepted those proposed terms?" Lee, I think what you're talking about may may you know. Nullify that issue, right? Because if he didn't really expressly accept the contract, but nevertheless performed in accordance with the terms of the contract, you know, again, without jumping on Westlaw, that may be a that may be a way to actually find that a contract was formed.
1: And I think the interesting thing here is if he didn't know what the job entailed then there's an argument, okay, like this is a lifelong obligation where I have to fly around for an entire night every year and I have to get really large and grow a gray beard and gray hair and not really see my family anymore. Um, Seems like really unreasonable conditions that were not known. But this is Santa. Like everybody knows what Santa has to do. And in that first night, it became pretty clear to him what the job entailed. And never once does he – I actually think it would have been a more interesting movie if he resisted. I think it would have been a better movie if it was about, like, his internal conflict between who he was and becoming Santa. It's not what the movie is, though. It's just him slowly turning into Santa without any resistance whatsoever, and he knows exactly what the role entails. So I think you have a good argument as time goes on that the contract becomes far more difficult to defeat Let's say, you know, he gets buyer's remorse two years later and says, wait a minute, it wasn't in writing and I didn't accept it. Kind of tough if you've been performing for two years as Santa, right?
0: I agree. I mean, it's a good argument. He took on the role rather easily. (laughs) Went right down that chimney. No problem.
2: He resisted for a minute in the beginning when I think he said, I put on 45 pounds in a week. I think he was a little freaked out. But then his transition to Santa was actually pretty... uh, Pretty seamless after that. Yeah.
1: There I, I I was talking about this beforehand, I think, with the group, which is the movie's much better if he's if he's difficult and resistant and not wanting to become Santa, but eventually he gives way to like his inner child. And that's what the movie's about. But that doesn't happen at all. It's just it's just him getting large and scruffy. Um so the other, the other contract issue that i have written down, and there are a few other kind of miscellaneous legal issues that we, that we um, speak about, is what, what about consideration? You know, every contract needs to have consideration. Uh, so in, in exchange for him
2: becoming Santa, he, he gets what? To I'll bring be-
0: joy to the world.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't see, I don't see consideration. And again, this is something we've actually litigated in the firm multiple times. I always look at it as is there a bargain for exchange? Right. If you step back and look at it like Scott Calvin has taken on all these obligations, maybe they're fun and maybe he likes them, but they're obligations. Right. Yeah. There needs to be a corresponding obligation um, or detriment on the other side. Again, we don't really know who the other side is, but what is he getting in exchange? The I'm actually not sure. I suspect there's like cases out there about this, case law about it. it does does personal satisfaction <laughs> constitute consideration? I'd say no, but I don't know.
0: I mean, I think it's just as simple as the code. He was outside. What about, what, what
1: about fame? Fame, what? Not fame. I mean... You know, people are uh,
2: extras in movies and not paid, right? Emily mm-hmm. thinks the coat constituted consideration. Oh, for a life for a lifetime of being Santa, or I guess I don't know. Do they, they an eternity of being Santa in exchange for a coat?
0: I mean, if you put on this coat, the reindeer will know what to do. So he didn't have to put on the coat. He could have run inside, gotten a fleece. No, he chose to put it on.
2: He actually doesn't put on the coat at first. He, he gets could have it. borrowed one of Neil's sweaters, which was a very prominent theme in the movie.
0: So many options.
2: This is just another example of Brad
1: throwing out all the names of the various minor characters in the movie that he remembered.
2: He's not a minor character. I think he was really actually the, the, the undercover leading man, Judge Reinhold. I think he's the chief antagonist. <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the other, he also gets free lodging, the best hot chocolate ever made, right? Um, Free food, lodging for life. It's almost like he's a a professor living on campus.
0: A nice new car.
1: A new car. Um, Yeah, and as we talk it through, he actually gets a decent, like he doesn't have to make money for the rest of his life. A decent deal? It's It's not the worst deal.
0: He gets to eat cookies and make everybody happy once a year and just be fat and happy.
1: He also gets to eat whatever he wants, and it seems like his body remains in perfect health. Like Despite
0: he, being rotund.
1: He's rotund, but it sounds like his resting heartbeat is good. His blood pressure is good. So he, he can eat whatever. Isn't
2: he- his heartbeat jingle bells? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's perfectly normal and healthy, as Lee was saying.
2: But he but
1: if you, if you if you sustain a fall from a roof into snow you're you're gone immediately. <laughs> it's weird that like Santa's magic didn't kick in when he fell off that roof because he clearly has the ability to like fly shapeshift, but he just falls down like a like Chris Farley into the snow.
0: I think he needs his bag of toys to fly. Oh really. I don't know, but every time he flew he had his bag of toys, so I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. Uh any other contractual issues that we missed? It sounds I and then I'll I'll uh we can talk globally about whether we think it's enforceable or not. But anything else?
2: No, I don't think so. I
0: don't think so.
1: What about you know this is not something that I came up with myself, but I was doing a little bit of research. What about the idea that the old Santa foisted the contract onto new Santa?
0: I mean, it doesn't really feel like he foisted, in my opinion, because, again, he didn't have to put on the coat and, you know, proceed with accepting his role. And he did.
1: Yeah. He
2: could could have just called
0: 911 and said some guy fell off my roof. Instead, he puts on the coat.
2: Could it be an assignment, though? I don't really know what all the elements of that are. I guess you need an existing contract. Well, there is an existing contract. Did this Santa? Did, did Did old dead Santa have a contract? Old maybe dead Santa. Old maimed Santa. He, he did had,
0: the.
2: He was Santa pursuant to the
1: Santa Claus. Everybody is. So at some point he put on the coat.
2: I guess we need to know if there was an anti-assignment clause in that contract, though. <laughs>
0: <The> contract. <laughs> also, is not- a good point.
2: To be that robust, it's just the line that we heard in
1: unreadably small font around the perimeter of the business card. It's mm-hmm. more like terms and conditions. I right? don't think
2: it could be an assignment, though, because I think the assignee has to like w- want to do the assignment, and this kind of bleeds back into the whole issue of Scott didn't really know what he was doing. That's how I see it.
1: They Maybe have that a movie where where he. Finally, does not want to do this anymore, and he attacks civil vali- This is a great courtroom drama to talk about the validity of the contract.
0: Wait, you you've seen all the way to Santa Claus Four?
1: No, no, I haven't. I, I I barely made it to the end of the first. One. I don't <laughs> think he has. <laughs> all right, so um, oh, well, the one other note I had is the the Santa, and I don't know how this fits into our conversation, but the Santa Claus allows whoever's on the other side, which whether it's dead Santa or the, the elves or Bernard or some unnamed evil corporation in charge of Christmas to, to do whatever they want to Scott's body hair physique without his consent. Like he doesn't, he doesn't agree to any of this and he's trying to act. That is the one point where he rejects it. He's trying to reverse it by jogging, by by shaving, dyeing his hair, hair, and it keeps coming back. So does that play in at all, or is that just a mystical aspect of the movie that um, has no real legal import?
0: Well, it wasn't explicit in the written terms on that card. So I guess I would ask, you know, could it be inferred from, you know, you will be Santa, you know Santa's fat and has hair, so though it didn't... (laughs) technically say you will have extreme hair growth and weight gain. Right. Was it inferred from, from everything else in that, in that contract? Um.
1: Some mysteries are better left unsolved.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, all right. So Brad, what do you think? Enforceable contract, unenforceable. If Santa comes in, if, if Scott Calvin comes into your office before he has to go back out of Santa, following year and says i don't want to do this this year i want to contest the enforceability of this contract what do you what do you say to
2: him i see so many problems here that we we identified five six seven different different hurdles to enforceability right then we kind of said well maybe there's ratification maybe he got around the statute of frauds this way maybe that way I think even if a few of those enforceability issues are ultimately taken off the table by performance or by some exception, there's still, there's still too, too many issues there. Um, even if one of them sticks, I think it's not enforceable. So I, I land on the unenforceable side of things. I think he could back out. Bah humbug, Brad. What about you, Emily?
0: I think he could back out. I don't think it would be a clean back out, like Brad said. I think there are-
2: Three um, years of litigation, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think I think you might be in court for, for a number of years. But at the end of the day, I don't think that they will rule that that contract was enforceable. You might get away with aspects over the years, but-
1: What yeah. about if Bernard um, went to court to seek injunctive relief to- why, during the pendency of the action to require him to perform because if he didn't, no kids would get gifts during Christmas until
2: the action was fully and finally resolved that might be a. i don't see I'm just <laughs> shooting from the hip here, but I know that like in the employment litigation context isn't there this doctrine that courts shouldn't force you into involuntary servitude yeah <laughs> if the if the remedy right it, it the amendment right what's that? The Thirteenth Amendment to the Constitution. I'm not even sure if it's that. I just think it's a judge would say you don't have irreparable harm. Your harm can be remedied through money. We don't force people into personally performing contracts.
1: Well, in this case, you you can't
2: remedy it with money. How are you How are you? How are you delivering? Maybe, maybe I. You know what? Maybe I said that wrong. Maybe they are two separate concepts. Maybe the concept that that I'm trying to to think of is the one that says. If the, if the relief you're requesting is to actually make a person get up and essentially work for you, a court, a court generally won't do that.
0: Well, what did the card say? Did it say that he could give up the coat or he had to pass away to pass on the coat?
2: I don't think it
1: said anything about that. I think it said once he is, he puts on the coat, he waives all claims to the contrary.
0: So you they just, can talk the like, put the coat on somebody else and have somebody else be Santa and all the children would be happy.
1: Until such time that wearer becomes unable to do so by either accident or design.
2: So you... Wait, something you just said, Lee, made me think of actually another issue, which is, which is like waiver. Did he waive... What did it say? You waive your right to any alternate I'll, identity? I'll read the full line. In putting on the suit and
1: entering the sleigh... So you have to do both. You have to put on the suit and enter the slight. And he does both. Um, The wearer waives any and all rights to any previous identity, real or implied. (laughs) I love that line. And fully accepts the duties and responsibilities of Santa Claus in perpetuity until such time that wearer becomes unable
2: to do so by either accident or design. So, you can, there's a question in there that's, I don't really know if it's intertwined with the contract issue or separate about waiving your right to the other identity. I think waiver requires a, cl- I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's satisfied here, but I think it's a clear and intentional relinquishment of a known right. Yeah. I'm not sure if he did that.
0: Definitely not. definitely not
2: this movie is just one of the great legal films of the 20th century i guess
1: the the by design piece is very interesting so he has outs here yeah Um, so the
0: injunction wouldn't work maybe
1: by whose design his design
0: didn't say whose design
1: it doesn't say whose design right
2: right so they could just put the, the code on somebody else Our next litigation hire is going to have to do a writing sample based on the legal issues in the Santa Claus.
1: All right, so let's just run through a couple of other issues. We wanted to focus on the contract, but as I think, as we're all watching it, there were other legal issues that popped up. So many. Um, The first one is: What do we think about Scott's responsibility for for um, Santa's death? If if the if his estate brings a wrongful death suit, is Scott liable.
2: I know we're not. I know we're not PI attorneys. I think he probably would get sued because I think that's the way the world works, right? Yeah. Um, You know, I don't really know the strategies that go into that, but you usually sue the property owner. You try to get some sort of insurance on the hook. It would probably be a negligence claim. He's he's trespassing, right?
0: I would say he's an invitee. He has his tree down there. He's saying, come to my house. Drop off some presents, and his roof was slippery.
1: So, is there some obligation for on Christmas Eve for those who expect Santa to come to um, make the roof as Santa safe? Yeah, Santa safe as possible.
0: I mean, if you want Santa to give you gifts, you don't (laughs) want him to die like he did. It's the prudent thing to do. Yeah you don't want to call Geico, maybe you should, you know, make sure there's no snow and ice on your roof.
1: So you, so you do think that there's some liability here for Scott?
0: I think so. But.
1: E- Emily's views are all very, like, Santa protective. I see that. We're pro-Christmas, whereas Brad is anti. Anti-holidays. He wants Christmas to end. No, I'm pro-Scott it's, Calvin. Santa in a decades long piece of litigation where there's no Santa
2: <laughs> I'm pro Scott Calvin I'm looking for ways to get him out of trouble <laughs> all right um, any
1: other uh, any other legal issues that popped that we could talk about really quickly before we wrap up family law yeah that's a thorny one um, I feel like it, there the, there's some parallels to the Big daddy episode that we did um but what, what, what were your thoughts on the custody issues that, that popped up emily
0: well they did uh, best interest of the child and they're saying being around scott is not in the best interest of the child because he's clearly looney tunes um <laughs> which is a little unfair but
1: is it though objectively it's not unfair right
0: well it's unfair in the end because we find out he actually is santa
1: Unless it's all happening inside like the snow globe that Charlie is watching at the end of the movie.
0: That's next level. I can't even, (laughs) I can't even go that deep. (laughs) Um, But no, it was probably a good, a good family law case.
1: Right. I guess that I'm trying to think of a parallel. If like a parent is telling his kid that, he is or does this? Um, maybe like a parallel is like if he tells his kid that I'm a CIA agent and then the kid's like, "That's the coolest job ever," and everybody's like, "You're not a CIA agent," and, and you can't really prove it because it's
2: confidential. And, um,
0: but how is that harming the child?
2: Well. They, like, terminated all his custody and visitation rights over this, right? It's, it was really, his
0: visitation.
2: It's, it's really because they thought that he was lying
1: to him and the, and the kid bought into it. Well, that, the,
2: or it. that I thought it was more that Scott was basically like an untreated, paranoid delusion.
1: <laughs> well, I and think that that too, right? Um, but it, but I think there are some real world parallels in terms of like one side says you're making stuff up. And the other side says, I'm not making it up, but I can't really
2: prove it for some reason. The CIA one's a pretty good hypothetical.
1: Yeah. I think that's, that would be one that's kind of on the, on the nose. Yeah. Something where like you can't reveal it because you're, you're bound by confidentiality or, um, state secrets. And the more you
2: insist on confidentiality, the crazier you look. Right. Uh,
1: are any, uh, any other, I mean, there there's like a, a variety of like
2: workplace discrimination. This is like anytime we do a podcast with a movie from the 90s, it's basically like, you know, we sit down to watch them and we start thinking, all right, let's look at the e- the, the legal issues. I think literally 30 seconds into the movie, they're at the Christmas party and one of the executives, it's, you know, his secretary's on his lap <laughs> or something. I, I...
1: This is a kid's movie too. Yeah. Right. That was just child's movie. Yeah. And um an immediate Me Too move moment. Immediate.
2: Or or what about when you know when the Scott death of the most beloved figure in the world. Scott shows up to that meeting when he first started to put the weight on, and everyone's like, Scott basically just saying to him, dude, you you look for work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they like They just that shamed him, and then I think his boss took him in the. He said in front of everyone, "Can I see you outside?" And he goes, "Scott, you need help. Go see a trainer, a shrink. I think he just rattles off a priest, a rabbi, someone. Go get help and come back." To be fair, he
1: doesn't fire him though, right? So there's no there's no unlawful termination
2: claim. Probably workplace harassment. It could probably be a piece of a hostile work environment claim, though. Yeah. I For can't sure. sit in a room without everyone staring at me and making <laughs> express really? remarks about my weight.
1: He also he also orders like a bevy of dessert items <laughs> at lunch. That was his
2: entire lunch, I think.
1: Actually <laughs> sounded great. I mean the the one part of the movie that I wanted that like I walked away thinking about is like I really want a hot fudge sundae. I haven't had a hot fudge Sunday in a long time.
0: Hot fudge on the side or on top?
1: No, on top. Animal. Um all right anything else any other uh, there any legal issues or should we wait till next year when we dive into S- Santa Claus
0: <laughs> Probably Santa.
1: has its own uh, own I, I I quickly took a look at what it's about and there are distinct legal issues in Santa Claus too so maybe we actually will do it next year. Unfortunately I can't wait us.
0: <laughs> Every year we do this another Santa Claus movie.
2: We run out of them eventually, but yeah, I think... We'll have to switch to Fast and the Furious series when we're done with that. <laughs> what? Okay, so before we wrap up, um,
1: 1 to 10, how much did you uh, enjoy the movie, Emily?
0: I would give it an 8. An 8? Because I, I really enjoyed it. It was cute. It got me in the holiday spirit. I mean, seeing, you know, the compact disc player and everything really brought me back. So, you know, I'd give it an eight.
1: Okay.
2: What about you, Mr. Scott Calvin? I like watching these early 90s, early to mid 90s movies because they remind me of being a kid, right? And there's a familiarity to it, but it's a terrible movie. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with a four. Okay. What about you? Do you do you get to participate in this rating exercise? Yeah, no.
1: Oh, okay. I'm outside of it. I'm the omniscient. You're the neutral arbiter. The movie was terrible. I mean, we've done. I think this is our tenth or eleventh movie that we've done. This is by far the worst. It was at times unwatchable, and Tim Allen is awful in it. Like, just a terrible. I actually think Tim Allen is a decent actor in some things, but he's really bad. Also. One of our uh, one of our associates sent this around when we were preparing apparently like in, during the filming of the series he's just like a jerk he, he's been he like berates
2: I saw that online members
1: yeah. um, and you can kind of tell like during the movie he't he didn't really seem like he was enjoying like this is supposed to be a fun movie. I didn't really feel like he brought a lot of energy to it.
0: You didn't bring enough joy
1: to it? No one was energetic in it. Even the, the kid. Everybody's kind of
2: bored. And so was I.
0: Wow. Scathing.
2: Give it a one. I was about to say, you don't even have to put a number on it after that review. We know where you stand. One of the worst Christmas movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I like it.
1: movies. I, I almost immediately wanted to put on Home Alone right after to, to, for a palate cleanser because of how bad it was. But it was... 1230 at night. So I went to sleep instead. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, until next year, um, thanks for joining and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Um, Do not watch this movie over your holiday break.
2: Honest as always. Goodbye. Bye.
0: Bye. (laughs)
1: For more on all things real estate and the law, subscribe to this and our other podcasts. Follow Bergstein, Flynn, Knowlton, and Polina on social media. Subscribe to our newsletter and go to bfklawoffice.com. That's bfklawoffice.com to learn more.